This is Joby. This is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed, Bed Crime, Crime Stories. Stories, a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. Because, <laughs> <laughs> not going to lie, when you were saying that, that's all that was going through my mind. Mm, was I was trying to do like kind of like old timey ish 90s uh, radio host. Mm-hmm. Hi, guys. It's Jeffrey, Traffic of the Six. Like that type of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except it sounded nothing like that. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of just sounded like you were... Um, Deranged? No. Oh, that you okay. were an announcer in a wrestling ring. Oh. That's what. That's where I was going. And in this corner. Like that? Kind of. Okay. All right. Hi, Charlie. What's <laughs> <laughs> up, Joves? What's going on? Um, Nothing. No. Not a whole heck of a lot. Nothing at all? I mean, not really. Okay. I was literally just going to say something. No, I don't remember. Oh, I watched the first episode of the um, D.B. Cooper show that's Ooh, on Netflix. How was that? Hmm. How was it? That's a loaded question, apparently. Hmm. How was it? Okay. So hmm. it wasn't bad. Okay. That is my review. Oh, that was the shortest review you've ever given. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was. Only, I only watched the first episode. Okay. So that actually says a lot. Yeah. Didn't want to binge it. Shut it off and turn on something else. Okay. Watched the first episode. Also, like, drifted onto my phone a couple times. Not shocked. And then I turned on the newsroom and just binged that for the rest of the night. Okay. Will you watch the second episode? I will. Are you sure? But I'm not like aching to go back. Got it. I'm not itching to go back. Got it. So is this going to be one of those things that you put on when there's nothing else on? And Prob- you just kind of. Yeah, probably. Okay. Probably. I think the, mm, I think part of my problem with it, and I don't think this is going to be the same for everybody. Like I know the story of D.B. Cooper mm-hmm. pretty well. Because mm-hmm. you did it. Yeah. But yeah. And I just, I don't know. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. But. It was produced weird. Okay. Um, like almost like a farce. Oh. And kind of, I don't know. Um, it was like very 70s themed. Like it had like 70s theme music and it was like animated like with sexy girls and um, airport stewardess uniforms. I don't know. So were they trying to make it more like a, um urban legend kind of a thing? No, it was more like they were trying to do like a classic 70s whodunit. Yeah. And- type of a thing okay. and like they start the show off right away with talking about people who they think who are still alive today who they think are could be db cooper oh so it goes into a lot of that stuff like who were the main suspects i don't know i don't know it wasn't bad <laughs> i give the first episode a c a c okay we'll check back in with you after you watch the next episode okay. if you watch the next episode yep um that's my opinion and like i said then i turned on the newsroom and it just made me happy so all right yeah that's fair Mm -hmm. that is fair Mm -hmm. as we mentioned in the last episode before we recorded that episode we were on vacation and came back again and i would just like to point out Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. we fell victim to in the greatest way ever a 
marathon of Titanic documentaries yes. and investigations. And when I tell you, yes. we spent pretty much the whole day that we were going to spend in the pool inside watching Titanic stuff and we're not even mad about it. Zero shame. Like, it was so cool. I, I sit here right now and come to you live reporting with the fact that Jovi is currently wearing a sweatshirt that says RMS Titanic I on it. I am. I am. Because you know what we did before we came home? Mm-hmm. We went to the Titanic experience in Orlando. Yes, we did. It was phenomenal. It was the best tourist <laughs> trap I've literally ever been in in my yes. life. It was myself, Jovi, and my sister. Yes. We try every year to do like a sister weekend. Mm-hmm. Our sister weekend this time was uh, like kind of revolved around the New Kids on the Block concert that was yes. in Orlando. Amazing. So we just stayed for an extra couple of days. We rented a private condo with mm-hmm. a private pool. It was so awesome. Mm-hmm. And the last day before we came home, we did the Titanic experience. And I am really not ashamed in the least bit to say that was probably one of my favorite parts of the entire vacation i'm i you know what i agree with you we had so much fun oh my god and what's cool is um when you go you get to pick a ticket Mm -hmm. of a passenger yes and that's the passenger that you know you represent i guess Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and you walk through and they have these rooms set up so i it's so incredible. perfectly like yeah. they had um one of the suites on the ship like kind of set up and you saw like um suitcases and dresses from that time and mm-hmm. it was just so pretty and then um the room that they had actual plates from the titanic was yeah. set up like the the atrium yeah the the atrium dining hall yeah yeah it was just it was just so cool and we got yeah. to touch an iceberg we got to touch a fucking iceberg guys it was cold it was so <laughs> it was like literally and figuratively the coolest thing ever yes yes it was <laughs> it was crazy yes yeah. and what i thought was actually really awesome was they had a room that was set up like um, it had the the captain's steering wheel. Yeah. And when you were in there, it was cooler than mm-hmm. everywhere else. And it was set up exactly like what the captain's like view view would have been yeah. that night. Oh, it yeah. was crazy. It was so cool. And then you go into the next door. It was the best. You were, it was like you were literally on the Titanic. It was yes. cold. Yeah. They, you looked over the railing. It looked like water. It was just, you felt a breeze. It was yeah. amazing. It was so fucking cool. Amazing. And your passenger had died yes, on the ship. He was a third class male. I had a first class male. So I was like, ooh, I have a chance. My guy died on the Titanic. Mm-hmm. My sister was the only one who had a survivor. Yes. Was also a dude, but second class. Yeah. Yeah. Go figure. And apparently was the only Japanese man on the Titanic. Which is so cool. So cool. My whole family actually died. So. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, my wife and child survived. Oh, no. My wife and my two children died. Oh, that's actually really fucking yeah, depressing. Yeah. It's, it's really sad. But yeah. either way. It was so good. <laughs> it, was, it was so much fun. And like when you scanned your ticket to see... To see if um, you had lived or died, it actually gave like a little blurb yeah. about them, which I thought was really freaking cool. And I actually took a picture of my screen, mm-hmm. and it was just fascinating. Yeah. I would do, I would probably do it again Me too. with somebody who hasn't been there. Yeah, and just 
I don't know. It it's cool. exciting. It's it exciting. Cool. Like, I would love to go around and just see all the artifacts. Things. Every single yes. artifact that was there was either pulled up from the wreckage yep. or was donated by a crew member or a passenger that survived. Yeah. So it was it was at one point on the ship. Yeah. It was just very fucking cool. And, like, there was... Um, they had, like, coal that... Because when, when the Titanic broke... It was like a line of coal, and they brought up some of that coal. From, it was so big. It was huge. It was, it was shiny. Big ass coal. It was shiny. I'm surprised that that coal down at the bottom of the ocean has not become diamonds yet. I agree. Because it's under so much pressure. I agree. Under pressure. Boom, 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 boom. Um, but yeah, Titanic experience. If there's one near you, because I know it. that there's multiple ones, but Do if there's one near you, fucking go. It is so tourist trappy, yep. but it is so worth it. Yep. And if you're a Florida resident, you live in Florida, the one in Orlando, you get like a crazy discount on tickets. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just highly do recommend. It. Like it was so good that I bought a hoodie. I don't buy a hoodie everywhere. Yeah. But I, I had to do it. Yeah. I bought a magnet. I bought a magnet too. Yes. And we also took some wonderful <laughs> pictures. <laughs> They have you do like all these photo ops at the very beginning before you go in, like one in front of a green screen, and then one where it looks like you're on like the bow of the ship. Mm-hmm. So Jovi and I did the Jack and Rose thing. It's ridiculous. I will never share that with no, anybody, but no, it no, is no. very special to me. Yes, and yes. then there's one of me, Jovi, and my sister standing there, and they're like, "Okay, look up that way and look like it's something that is like just filled with awe, like surprise." And we're like, oh, "And we got the picture back, and it's the three of us." assholes teeny tiny like maybe an inch tall in the corner of the picture staring up at the giant propellers like oh it was fucking hilarious go to the titanic experience do it you will not be disappointed it's and let me tell you somber is all get out oh yeah like super touching super sad like 110 years did not make you deal with the fact that all of these people had died like it was very 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 fucking sad yes but at the same time so friggin' awesome yes yes 10 out of 10 would recommend and yeah. i know that like we probably should talk about this last episode but we did it and it had to be talked about it did it just it had to be said it had to be talked about it had to be said so you're welcome yeah. for that <laughs> oh, God. it was the best you, you basically lived vicariously through us yeah. as we took you on that journey. I've told, I don't even know how many people I told the story about that place. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, yeah, and then? Well, <laughs> my fiance and I went to Universal on Sunday, and we actually passed it when we were coming home, because the way it took us, and I was there like, is, let's go. I was like, oh, my God, this is Titanic experience. And he was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I want to go back. I totally want to do yes, it again. Yes, yes. But Titanic wonderfulness aside, I heard a rumor that you have a... A true crime headline. I do. That's like two weeks in a row, which is pretty fun. All right. So my true crime headline is from NBCNews.com. It was published July 20th, 2022. The headline reads, Son of retired New York judge kills mom before jumping from building to his death. Stop it. I will not. What? Yes. So the son of a prominent former Manhattan judge is accused of fatally bludgeoning his mother to death, which of course means is what fatally means, yeah. before jumping 16 stories to his death from their Upper East Side luxury building on Tuesday, New York City police what? said. Doug Solomon, 26, allegedly fatally beat his mother, Diane Gallagher, 65, hitting her in the head at the family's home on East 79th Street. He hit her with a piece of furniture. Holy shit. Yeah. A senior police official said, then he jumped from the building. 
Solomon's father and Gallagher's husband is Charles Solomon, who served on the Manhattan Supreme Court. Wow. He retired in 2018 after serving three decades. During his time on the bench, he oversaw the Sean P. Diddy Combs 2001 nightclub shooting trial. Oh, shit. Right? And a case involving former New York Governor Elliot Spitzer and one of his mistresses. Wow. Yeah. Police responded to the family's residence around 1030 a.m. Upon arrival, observed Doug unconscious and unresponsive with trauma to the body. I mean, jumping 16 stories will do that to you. That'll do it. And it says the injuries were consistent with falling from an elevated yeah. height. Officer, off, officers, officers also discovered Gallagher inside the apartment, also unconscious and unresponsive with head trauma. Mm. Both, unfortunately, were pronounced dead at the scene. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Neighbor said the family also had a daughter who was preparing to get married Stop. soon. Oh, no. Fudge. Uh, Law enforcement officers told the station there was no domestic violence records from the Solomon's home prior to Tuesday, and it is not clear whether Charles Solomon was home at the time of the deaths. Wow. Holy shnikey balls. Holy shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my true crime handling. It was a real, real fun one. That was (laughs) was a doozy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. It's crazy. That's sad. Very sad. It's fucking sad. Very All of it is sad. Yeah, twenty six years old. Like, oh God, mm, mm, no, no, and the no, poor daughter. All right. No. Well, on that lovely, shiny, happy <laughs> note, we are going. To, I'm going to toss it over to Jovalicious, um, make the boys go loco, and she is going to tell us tonight's bed crime story. So yes. Take it away, Jovi. Yes, I am. Oh, I caught that. You threw it to me. I caught. Okay. Oh, okay. that was a really dumb joke. Yes, it was. It was really stupid, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. No. You should know by now. I'm the corniest person alive. unapologetically corny yes yep. yeah so that happens um tonight i am doing a um a listener suggestion story what what this is like what four in a row now if not it's close it's, to it yeah because it is four in a row it is four amy in a row. christine chrissy and now this one yeah so wow see what happens when we participate mm-hmm right mm-hmm all of these accolades for our listeners and we remember your names we do well this one um was submitted back in december um they did not leave a name okay um so thank you yes Yes. um for sending in that suggestion yes we don't want to divulge screen names or email addresses yeah thank you very much for your anonymous gmail uh suggestion the submission yes and if if you are listening to this and it is your story let us know we'll give you credit yeah say hey man say hey you finally did my story <laughs> seven months later <laughs> thanks for nothing turds <laughs> <laughs> look okay mm. again this is still new to us but yeah. you know i think we're getting a handle on it yeah so, we're doing all right we're doing all right you know yeah all right so the uh, listener suggestion that was given it is the murder of eddie werner Mm, okay um this is from the early no the late 90s okay um my resources from tonight from tonight for tonight (laughs) findagrave.com okay uh, New Jersey 1015.com. New Jersey 101.5. Ding! <laughs> Tell me you're from New Jersey without telling uh, me you're from New Jersey. Exactly. Right, go ahead. Uh, vocalmedia.com. Mm-hmm. The New York Times. Mm. Murderpedia. Oh, nice. And AP News. Okay. Okay. So, AP News Associated Press or Asbury Park Press? 
Associated Press. Got yeah. it. Yeah, not not Asbury Park. Sorry. <laughs> Got it. Yes. <clears throat> Edward Peter Warner Jr. was born on Christmas Day in 1985. Hmm. Um, his family, who consisted of his father, Edward Sr., his mother, Valerie, mm-hmm. sisters, Kelly and Laura, and his younger brother, Thomas. Okay. Um, they all hailed from Staten Island, New York, and later moved to Jackson Township. Oh. The Warners were hardworking people. Edward Sr. was a lawyer, Valerie an employee at Walmart, and the children were studious and well-behaved. Eddie Jr. was especially bright, and it seemed everyone around him knew that he would someday be a success. Okay. Eddie loved school, and he was outgoing and well-liked and had many friends. On September 27, 1997, 11-year-old Eddie was going door-to-door by himself near his neighborhood in Jackson, selling candy and wrapping paper for his school's PTA fundraiser. I remember this one now. Is it? Yeah. Yep. As soon as you said that, because when we got the email, Mm -hmm. I didn't remember it. Mm -hmm. As soon as you said that, I totally remember this one now from back home. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Because it was, real quick, guys, Sidebar Nation, it was when I was a Girl Scout, so I would go Mm door-to-door selling cookies, and then after this happened, it was like, you guys can't can't do do door-to-door anymore, anymore. parents can bring it into work, you know, only sell to people you know, blah, blah, blah. It was like a big fucking thing. It was a big thing. Damn. Fundraising brochures in hand, he was eager to be the top seller so that he could win a walkie-talkie set. Baby. Mm -hmm. And so freaking cute. So freaking cute. He was getting closer and closer to reaching his goal when he knocked on the door of the Manzi family, where 15-year-old Samuel Manzi answered the door. Mm. Now, before I go any further into what actually went down um, on that terrible day. I am going to set the stage a little bit, give a little background on Sam. Okay. Sam Manzi, who was then 15, was anything but the usual teen. He would often fantasize about hurting other people and was abusive towards animals. Mm-hmm. He was homosexual, but he struggled to deal with the fact that he liked boys. Um, he often felt isolated and alone, like he had not a friend in the world. Sam knew something was wrong and he tried to get help. He told psychologists about his dark fantasies of hurting somebody, but they ignored him and misdiagnosed his behavior. Sam started to join internet chat rooms, hoping to meet other homosexual men like himself. Damn internet. Mm-hmm. AOL. Because <clears throat> these were the beginning ASL, days of man. AOL. Age sex location. Yes, I was going to say, and for those of you who were not alive during this time, AOL stands for America Online. That was the only way. They that get on the internet. You could get on the internet, and it was dial-up. Yeah. Chat rooms were so fucking dangerous. Yes, they were. So fucking yes. crazy. Yeah, we just did at that. every turn. Yep. We just did that. Yep. Willingly. Yeah. Willingly. God. He wanted to feel accepted and understood. It was one of these chat rooms that he met then 43-year-old Stephen Simmons. Simmons, not Cinnamons. The pair immediately met up in person, and from August until December of 1996, Sam and Stephen carried on a sexual relationship. The two had multiple hotel room romps and took photographs of sex acts. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Mm -hmm. At this point, Stephen had two prior child molestation convictions on his record. Yay. A psychiatrist told Sam's parents, Nicholas and Dolores Manzi, that their son needed intensive help. He underwent counseling five days a week, five and a half hours a day, and supposedly Sam referred to this time as five and a half hour daycare, 
<laughs> at Shoreline Behavioral Health Center in Toms River, New Jersey. Yeah, know it well. Mm, so do I. According to several accounts of this period, Sam's sexual activities weren't known until during one of his sessions he told he told his counselor about the sexual relationship with Simmons. Jesus. The counselor, under New Jersey law, reported to state mm-hmm. social service authorities. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is how Sam's parents found out, was through the authorities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then the cops came in with recording equipment and elaborate plans to catch Simmons in the act. Cops and prosecutors contend that Sam, at the, at that stage, wanted to quote-unquote get Simmons. The lead investigator on the case wouldn't talk, but Assistant District Attorney Mark Fleedner calls the process a standard investigation. And of course, like you said at the time, mm-hmm. Sam is making it seem as though he wants to get him. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, how traumatic of a process is that for a 14, 15-year-old boy? Correct. And like you un- you understand, yes, we want to get this guy who's so damaging Mm -hmm. so he doesn't do it again but you have to also think about your victim oh absolutely and they really Uh, didn't no they should i've fucking 90s man yeah with consent from his parents see seem sam had agreed to assist new jersey prosecutors in catching simmons as a child molester they set up wiretaps in his home to record conversations between the pair jesus then he began to act strangely his behavior became more violent and aggressive he suddenly decided to stop helping with the sting operation Mm -hmm. instead he busted up the tapes and recordings with a hammer and refused to testify against simmons um he came to us with his parents and said we were fully on board to cooperate. That's the fact, Fleetner says. Our policy is to never force a sexual assault victim. There was obviously a change of heart. Obvious. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. I mean, he was 14 years old. He was probably like, yeah, I'll do it. But no, I don't want to do it. He was probably yes. scared and confused. Well, and especially scared and confused. Well, yeah. especially because, and again, I'm not like being blamey blamey. I'm just no. saying, especially because you're now putting him on the phone with this man Correct. who's obviously a master manipulator Correct. of these children mm-hmm. if he's been doing this multiple times across the years. Mm-hmm. You're putting him on the phone with this man who will be able to say exactly the right things to get Sam to change his mind. Right. Well, mm, let me let me continue before I comment continue. to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let me continue before I continue. Yes, yes. yes. Without Sam's testimony... The state reduced Simmons' charges. He was sentenced to five years in prison and released on time served. In a public statement, Sam said that Simmons was a good role model and recollected on the good memories the two share. Now, to what you said earlier about him being a master manipulator, mm-hmm. apparently, and believe me, it's hearsay at this right. point because there was a whole article that they did on Stephen right. and interviewing him and such and the, Stephen was saying how Sam was the one who initiated it he just didn't say no which he realizes now is wrong blah 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 blah. but he said that he tried to be a counselor to Sam no I don't believe it oh no I oh, okay. I absolutely agree but I'm just saying this is what he was saying in the article right and like it's actually fascinating no. It's fascinating in a horrible way just to hear what this man has to say. Right, because he knows exactly what to say. Correct. Correct. Right. So it's on Murderpedia. If you do Stephen Simmons, you will see it. Okay. It's a very long read, but I suggest it because it is. It's very, it's, it's fascinating in a weird way. Mm-hmm. 
The morning after he had destroyed the equipment, Sam reported to his day program where he told someone what he had done. Shoreline notified the prosecutors and called in Miss Manzi. As Sam's attorney, Michael Critley, would later recount, Miss Manzi said at the meeting, we have to put him away now. Mm. The Manzies say that Dr. Peter Franco and another therapist agreed to cooperate in transferring Sam to a residential program. Sam, meanwhile, seemed calm. That afternoon, the therapist sent him to the uh, emergency psychiatric unit at Kimball, which serves as the emergency screening service for Ocean County's family court. Mm-hmm. A psychiatrist interviewed Sam for 15 minutes and concluded that was not a danger to himself or others. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, authorities arrived and, at Mrs. at Miss Manzi's insistence, persuaded hospital employees to keep Sam overnight. It is not clear whether Sam told anyone at Kimball that he wanted to leave. When the officers talked to him, Detective George Noble said, Sam said he, quote, absolutely did not want to stay. Mm-hmm. When they asked him about the recording equipment, Detective Noble said, he said, I busted it up. You might as well know. I called Stephen and told him what we were doing. We asked him why, and he said, quote, I don't know why, but I did it. So now Stephen knows that yeah. they're on to him. And, yeah. you know, Sam left Kimball on September 23rd. And that day, Kimball referred the case to the Ocean County Family Court as a, quote, juvenile family crisis. Sam spent that night at Harbor House, a county shelter for runaways. The police had secured an emergency bed there, but because he wasn't actually a runaway, he couldn't stay there longer right. than the one night. Right. The next morning, the Manzies reported to the court's family intervention unit, and Sam was interviewed by a probation officer, Paula H. Jacques, and Miss Manzi estimated that the interview only took about six minutes. Of course. <laughs> then, Mr. Man. Mr. Manzi said he and his wife were a little startled to find themselves before a judge. They stood at one table, Miss Jocks and Sam at the other. The judge, James N. Sitta, had the report from Kimball, though Miss Manzi said, I don't know if he looked at it. And that's a quote. As far as the Manzies know, he did not even ask for Sam's records from Shoreline. Ms. Jocks had just received the case, quote, so I didn't really have time to get into all the details. She explained that Sam had, quote, got himself involved with an older man and had ruined the investigation against him. Moreover, she noted that Sam was already receiving better mental health services than her office could arrange. Then calling it quote, a horrible problem, she concluded, but he is their child and he is their responsibility and he's going to get better faster if they help, then they avoid it. Mm. Mr. Manzi told the judge, we're afraid of Sam. Wow. He spoke spoke of his son's fits of rage, including the time he threw the remote control and was taken to Kimball. Because apparently it was coming to the point where his dad would go and tell him that it was time for dinner and he would just Rage. chuck yeah he would get angry and chuck a remote control at his head so that's when they took him um to kimball he said that sam was going to shoreline but that therapist there quote feel that sam needs to be involved in a 24-hour program which i agree yeah um he offered to get statements from two separate therapists but the judge said that would not be necessary the judge did not ask Sam whether he wanted an emergency placement, apparently because he had made clear that the resources available were very limited and that, quote, we don't have the facilities to accommodate an inpatient. With that, 
Judge Sitta sent Sam home. He urged the, fa- the whole family to redouble their efforts to get along and spoke sternly to Sam about obeying his parents. Oh, I'm sure that helped. Uh, are you ready That's for this? That's going to solve all that. Uh-huh. Are you ready for this? <laughs> this is a quote now. Now we could talk about Shoreline and we could talk about doctors and we could talk about social workers and we could talk about counselors, the judge said. But the bottom line is, you know the difference between what's right and wrong, don't you? You're not retarded, are you? No, Sam replied. And with that, the Mansies left and took Sam home. Jesus Christmas. Now, not pointing the finger, but I'm sorry. That could have been handled a lot better. Well, first of all, you get a social worker that actually, oh, I don't know, reads the fucking case. Right. And understands all the nuances of what's going on there. Right. And then number two, like have a judge that's actually educated in mental health, the mental health crisis and what's going on with this child. Correct. And I don't know, believe the parents when they say, I'm afraid of my 15 year old kid. Right. And to stick up for the parents, they they did try. I'm not blaming the parents at all. I know you're not. But like, it's just like. You know, because people are like, well, what about the parents? No, they tried everything right. they could. And no matter what way they turned, they yes. weren't getting the support they needed. They yes. weren't getting him in the facilities he needed to be in. Because everybody kept blocking them from Correct. it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. There, There's a big difference between parents that are complicit in mm-hmm. their child's bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. Supplying them with whatever they need to get away with whatever they want. Right. Um, be it money, material, weapon, whatever. Yeah. Right. There are parents who are just perfectly fine to turn the other way and pretend that their kid isn't doing something bad. Correct. And then there's parents like this that are doing their damnedest to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Go through the court system. We need to get our kid taken care of. We need to get. They're not to blame. Right. They no. did everything right. Correct. Um, and I I feel awful for them knowing how this is going to end and that they fought and fought and fought to get their child help it wasn't for a lack of love of their child oh no if anything it was an abundance of love for their child and wanting to see him be better correct it's that's I'm sorry. That's fucking horrible. It is. It's so easy to say, well, where were the parents? They were right they fucking were, there. Yep. And, you know, I obviously didn't go into too much detail because we'd be here all night. <laughs> but reading these articles and just everything that the, his parents went through to try to get him help is insane. It's it is insane. And it's sad. It's it is. sad. It is. It is. It's just do better <laughs> yeah everywhere do better my whole thing honestly. is just listen to people they're not lying to you like listen to people when yeah. they're telling you this is what my son has done we've tried again and again and again to get this to get him help mm-hmm. he, he frightens us his behavior frightens us mm-hmm. you know the difference between right and wrong right fuck you yep yep do your job uh yes 110 percent uh, took Sam up. Okay, so even though his parents were unsuccessful in committing their son, Sam's parents left him home alone to supposedly go to the casino. Uh, well, I, what are who, you? Gonna, who's going to know that right. there's going to be somebody knocking on the door? Right. What are you going to do? Stop living your life? Right. No. Exactly. Sorry. I'm still Team Sam's parents. Oh no, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I really do. Three days later, the worst happened so mm. now this is going to bring us back to where i kind of sidestepped a little bit yeah, yeah yeah um so we're back in september of 1997 1997 yes mm. 
Okay. Um, when Sam we were and in eighth grade, we're going into eighth grade. Yes, yes, we were going into eighth grade. Oh my god! Oh, little babies. Oh, little babies. Um, okay, so when Sam answered the door, Eddie started his sales pitch, hoping that Sam would be interesting, interested in making a purchase. It's unclear how, but he lured Eddie into his home and into his bedroom. Over a period of 50 minutes, he molested Eddie, strangled him with the cord to an alarm clock, stuffed his body into his suitcase, and hid it until the following day before disposing of it in a wooded area that separates the Manzi and Werner neighborhoods. Jesus. To make matters worse, Sam also took pictures of Eddie's half-naked body with the cord still wrapped around his neck. Uh, Miss Manzi heard about Eddie's disappearance and suspected the worst. She asked Sam if he was involved and he confessed to everything. Oh my God. She immediately called the police to turn him in. Good for her. So. Good for her. Yeah. That was just like that story that I did um, that happened in Florida of the boy who beat and killed that little girl. Mm-hmm. And when the mom found, she's like, nope, call him the cop. Mm-hmm. It's in there. Mm-hmm. It's him. He did it. <laughs> well, and the fact of it is, it's like because she knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? When yeah. obviously her suspecting the worst is because, oh, shit. Because he's 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 capable, capable of the worst. Correct. Yeah. And again, they tried to get him help. Didn't work mm-hmm. out. And then this happened. Do your fucking job. Yep. Sam's attorneys had planned a diminished capacity defense at, for yeah at his trial, but the youth defied them and his parents and pled guilty instead. Good. As Sam serves his 70-year sentence at the New Jersey State Prison in Trenton, locked down 23 hours a day, he is viewed variously as an emotionally fragile adolescent who was twisted by a child molester, as a guilt-ridden young man who broke under pressure to betray his lover, and as a psychopath who happens to be young. But most people agree that somehow the authorities who were asked to intervene failed Sam, his parents, and ultimately Eddie Werner. Mm-hmm. And the three points that stand out mm-hmm. are one the decision by monmouth county prosecutors to enlist sam a 14 year old under psych uh, psychiatric care in a sting mm-hmm. operation yeah. to catch stephen simmons yep. the second one being a psychiatric emergency unit's judgment in the week before the murder that sam was not a danger to himself or others yep and then the third one being the decision by a family court judge to send sam home despite his parents pleas to find a bed for him until they could complete the admissions process at a residential psychiatric center. Also, yep. Do you think that this is part of the reason why now they do like all those like to catch a predator stings where it's instead of having the actual victims be the ones who are trying to lure their uh, abuser into a trap, they now have like people who just happen to look young yes engage with them online and then lure them to a location yes yeah i 100 percent believe that because yeah. this it's inexcusable mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly mm-hmm. sam's unraveling surely cannot be attributed to any one official bad judgment and many wonder what in his childhood might have led him to seek the affections of a 42 year old man in the first place a big part of the problem was that the Manzies were never told by people who should have known about help they could have received much earlier. Mm-hmm. Sam will be eligible for parole after serving 30 years. He'll be 47 years old, and that'll be in the year 2027. About 600 people showed up for a funeral mass for Eddie Werner. Among them was the governor of New Jersey at the time, Christy Whitman, mm-hmm. Christy Whitman and her husband, John. 
Warners wore Kelly green ribbons to honor Eddie Warner's favorite color. Mm-hmm. The 45-minute Roman Catholic service ended with Eddie's parents and younger sister walking arm in arm down the aisle behind his casket. Baby. And that is the incredibly sad story of the murder of Eddie Warner. Yeah. And I really wish I had more information about Eddie, but they really didn't give too much information, I think, because he was so young. Yeah. Um, well, again, that was kind of very similar to the story that I had told. It was correct. kind of the same thing. We knew a lot about the perpetrator, not a lot about the victim. And I agree with you. I think it's, you know. Yeah. Let me hold what little memories I have of him for the 11 years I right. had him. And I get that. Poor baby. I can, I can actually really respect that. Same. But I just didn't want you guys to think that I completely <laughs> forgot about poor little Eddie. I did not. Um, but this story really saddened me. Yeah. Um, Sad. For both of them, honestly. Yeah. For both of them. Mm-hmm. Fuck Stephen. Who cares? Yeah. But they were both wronged. Yeah. Well, I I say it all the time, right? Both things can be true. Yeah. He can be a murderer, which yeah. obviously he is. And he can also be a victim. Correct. He was a victim of the system. Mm-hmm. And he was a victim of that bastard Stephen. Yep. Because the whole thing of like trying to say, well, what made him choose that? Stephen did because he's a he's a manipulator. Correct. He's a child molester. He knows exactly what to do and say to get exactly what he wants. Absolutely. Putting the blame on a 15 year old troubled child is not the way to do it. No, it's actually cowardly. Correct. Just saying. Put the blame where the blame deserves to be. Agreed. Now, I don't disagree with the fact that obviously that Sam does deserve to be in jail. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he he killed that oh, little absolutely. boy. I mean, he he did it, right? Absolutely. And he, he did know he, right from wrong. Right? He did. He knew that he was doing the wrong thing. Obviously, because he confessed to his mother. He didn't try to hide it. Correct. Correct. And... But at the same time, like he can still be a victim of his circumstances. Yep. And I believe that he is. I 100% and agree. that's nothing but... It's just that's fucking depressing. Well, they need to work on these systems and, a and system I, failure. Yeah, I understand this was from the late 90s, but it hasn't changed much. Like yeah. I, I know um, somebody who had to go through the system mm-hmm. for mental help and uh, work on her mental health. And time and time again, I can't tell you how many times she was in and out because yeah, she was able to be admitted, but they wouldn't take her for longer than, like, I think five days at a time. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, five days isn't going to do much. Who are you fixing in five Correct. days? Correct. Correct. And it was such a struggle, and it was such a fight to get her back in. Yeah. And it's just like, if somebody needs help, it shouldn't. there shouldn't be a time limit. No. Especially when it comes to mental health and mental issues. Like, this is serious. Yeah. This is serious. Without, without treatment shit's gonna get real bad well and the whole thing is is it obviously would save lives yes if they would have just done right by sam yep. it would have saved lives his and eddie's yep. like uh, just frustrating it is it is it's it's a very very sad story um thank you for sending in that story suggestion yeah it was yeah. very weird to hear a lot of familiar names yes of places and people yes yes I agree with that. I'm very, very eerie. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> that is the story. That is my bed crime story for well, tonight. Thank you, Jovi. Thank you for telling that story. And thank You're you for welcome. the suggestion, dear, dear listener. We yes. appreciate you. 
All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, you can find us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Epic Crime Stories. If you want to send a story suggestion, you can either DM us on Instagram or you can send us an email, bedcrimestoriespod at gmail.com. Wherever you are listening to Bed Crime Stories, please like, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, we also do implore you to tell a friend. Yes, please. And then they'll tell two friends. And then they'll tell mm-hmm. two friends. Mm-hmm. It's from uh, Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. Where was I? I <laughs> got caught up in my <laughs> Wayne's World reverend. Uh, tell a friend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, do that. We love you guys. A lot. Yeah. A lot, a lot. Please be kind to one another. Please respect one another. Mm-hmm. Please look out for one another. Like mm-hmm. Jovi said last week, I think it's really important for us to remember that we are just like we learned in High School Musical. We are all in this together. <laughs> but and do we do we angrily walk through a green field banging um, our chest? That's High School Musical too. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Keep in mind, guys, I've never actually seen. Oh, I made you watch the second one. You made me watch angry the second dancing one. is yes. elite. I have not seen the first. So in my mind, the second one is the first one because that's the only one I've seen. We're all in this together. Worst um, movie ever. It's it's so bad. It's, it's good. Bad. Mm-hmm. No, it's so bad. It's good. <laughs> so bad. It's good. Uh, anyway, Zach Efron. Uh, Zefron. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm. Y'all are great. We mm-hmm. do really love all of you. All of you. Send in suggestions. If you just want to say hey, do that too. Hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Bad Crime Stories. We will see you all next week. But until then, sweet dreams. We're all in this together. I don't know the rest of the word. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. CreativeCommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.